Hey all, I'm Kevin Kaufman, one half of the Kevin and Fred Show. This is our podcast and we thank you so much for listening to it, where we bring you real estate information five days a week. On Monday, I interview an expert in the industry. On Tuesday, we bring to you the industry headlines, all of the happenings over the last seven days going on in the industry. On Wednesdays and Fridays, we bring you a segment called iMinute, which is all about the iBuyer space in a short one to two minute format. And on Thursdays, we bring to you our weekly business tips. So sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast. We would love to hear your feedback. Welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. Today on the Kevin and Fred Show, I'm joined by Nick McLean. Nick is an agent in Washington State. He is a former pilot and runs a huge real estate business. One of the things that stuck out to me about Nick is how he draws on his experience of being an airline pilot and the checklist that he used there to help him run, grow, and scale his business today. So we talked about the different things in his business uh, and his experience in being a pilot and how that related to his business experience. Um, we talk about different things about the vision that he had for starting his company based on uh, concepts uh, of an aviation company. We talk about how the best captains, the best owners, the best business people, if you will, always ask to be held accountable. We talk about those things and quite a few other topics. Nick is a very intelligent person. You're going to enjoy him. I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. I know that I did. So uh, join me in listening to Nick McLean here today as he joins me on the Kevin and Fred show. And if you haven't already, do me a favor, head over to our new website, remarginyourbusiness.com. That's www.remarginyourbusiness.com. We'd love your feedback. Love to know what you think about it. And I hope you have an excellent day. All right, next level podcast listeners, I'm back. And this time, joined uh, by Mr. Nick McLean. Nick, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Awesome. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm glad we got the chance to uh, to line this up finally. You know, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, well, you do because you were there too, but you and I were at uh, and speaking at the same exact event just about a year ago. In fact, I think it was a year ago this week um, in Las Vegas. And I was kind of listening to your story about, um, you know, how you run your team. And I was so intrigued by uh, some of the stuff I hope, hopefully we can get into today with like the checklist and, and your background prior to real estate. So uh, I'm glad we finally got the chance to break this down and uh, kind of talk a little bit about your business and what you've got going on. Yeah, it's amazing. It's been a year since we, we spoke that at Sheplak and uh, lots happened since then. Yeah. So uh, if, I, if I were to do that presentation over again, just like you do that presentation over again, you probably do it slightly different. It'd be little yeah. iterations of it. Yeah, it's funny. You know what? I had to recently look at the slide deck that I created just for that. And I was, you know, I was nervous as hell giving that presentation. I don't get nervous. I've spoken in front of people so many times, but I have never spoken on that topic, which was about copywriting mm -hmm. um, ever. And but John really encouraged me to. And so I did it because I was trying to, uh, you know, trying to take a hint from my coach. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I did it. And uh, yeah, I was looking at him like, yeah, there's some stuff I would keep the same. There's definitely some stuff I would change for sure. But I think we're always doing that right in our business. Like this is if we're willing to learn and uh, I always like to say like be okay being wrong or failing at certain times, like so we can learn and get better. I think we're, we're always going to be doing that a year from now and a year from now and a year from now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And because I was there and watched your presentation, I also went down that rabbit hole of copywriting 
right? And exploring journaling and, and free thought and, but not just three free thought in the subconscious way, like, but studying the format, the Gary Halbert method, right? And, and then going through the diving into the old school Ogilvy's and you diving deep into that. So you inspired me to go into the copywriting world. And so sometimes I do Facebook posts now that are just long copies. And I actually, I enjoy it. I noticed, man, you wrote a killer one this week. Actually, you wrote one so good a week or two ago. It could have been longer. Maybe that's just when I saw it in my feed. But I was like, that's when I see really great copy. I, and I know it's copy. Like I just go and copy and paste it. And I put it in my notebook, my little notepad on my iPhone, and I just subject as copy, and then I put the person's name so I, I can reference it later when I'm writing copy or I need some inspiration for something. So um, it's funny you say that because I've, I've, I've noticed that of you uh, recently quite a bit. I appreciate that. Yeah, because people are people underestimate the written word. Oh. Like everyone, and it's video, 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 super powerful, right? lots of uh scientific you know backing on that and you got to do it but the video combined with a long copy is killer yeah it can, and it people can. are scared to do that yeah. and talk about fear of doing things fear of writing something with misspelled words and grammar right that goes back to your childhood now that's yeah. total fear like you think people are scared of like calling an expired or a fizbo get them to write because their mother-in-law their brother and the sister are going to tell them about every misspelled word yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. Um, I had the opportunity to interview recently. And by the time this, this interview airs, this, um, that will have aired to a gentleman by the name of Sam Parr. He, he owns a company called The Hustle. And it's a daily newsletter uh, all around business. And it's got over a million subscribers. Like it crushed. They wow. crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like they're making more than a million dollars a month in advertising. Like it's, it's significant. And um he was talking about how hard it is to find good writers because most people think a good writer is someone that understands like sentence structure and grammar and punctuation, you know, and he's like, no, no, no. It's like, you know, it's, it's basically, it's copy. It's like, how do you get people to feel, um, mm. to let them know, you know, how they feel. And so, uh, yeah, it's funny that you say that because I've even noticed Gary Vaynerchuk talking recently about the importance of copy in the future. Um, I believe that it's important right now, but it's going to become more and more important couple of years from now, because as people continue to do video, um, still relatively, there's not many of us doing video, but as more and more of us do video, the only way you can get someone to stop and watch it is you got to have really great copy to go with it or just get lucky. And if you're going to depend on luck, you're kind of screwed. It's you got to do multi-channel. And I think it's not just one trick. You can't, as soon as you figure out your video, everyone else can start doing video. Yeah. It's the red queen. If you ever read the red queen, Matt Ridley, it's about evolution and kind of the red queen is like, um, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Okay. So okay. everywhere she goes, the, the, the topography in the land follows her. So in business, as things advance, as things improve, as you get ahead, the landscape will continue to follow you. It may be slightly behind. And we were talking about that with teams. Like as soon as everyone's copying everybody, yeah. right? It no longer works. And that's why we're always chasing the new. But you know, it's sometimes when everyone's copying everyone, you, you can kind of go back in history. I, I find that work. Gary Vaynerchuk does that all the time. Like nostalgia. He's all big on nostalgia and older stuff. Same thing with marketing. It's like, do the new stuff, but also go back in time and do the old stuff because no one else is doing it anymore and you'll stand out. Totally. You know, it's funny. I um, saw a tweet yesterday from a guy named Ryan Dice who um, runs, runs a company called Digital Marketer. Um, 
most of us are probably on his email list. And yeah, so, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. But he talked about like, hey, and, and Joe Polish, who is a friend of mine, owns a company called Genius Network. Um, he, he, I've heard him say this too, like copywriting is actually like, that's a skill that every business owner should attain because as things change right now, it's digital marketing and it's still, digital marketing is still really cheap, but it's not going to always be this cheap. The thing is like the mediums are going to change. There's always going to be something new, a different way to deliver things. But if you have that, you have that foundation, that skill set of, of good copy and advertising, you're going to be able to compete no matter what that medium, no matter what that looks like, whether digital print, you know, you name it, we're going to be, you're going to be able to compete. No, no wonder that's the, that's a foundational piece unless English, English language is going to go away. Yeah. You know, unless we find a new language that's going to disrupt that, I don't think anything's going to change. And, you know, we're not English majors and don't be intimidated by that. I'm not, I'm a dummy, right? You know, I grew up in a town of 3000 people as a logging town. A lot of people didn't graduate because they chose to go into logging. Yeah. Like this is even in the nineties. You know, I had friends that had dropped out to go into logging because you could make $150 a day. They're like, what am I doing at school? I can make $150 a day. But the, by, by the time they're 35, they're broken, right? Broken knees, broken back. Yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous business. And so that's where I come from. And here I am learning English, literature, and, and ad copy. Um, and it's just, it's just an evolution. It's just a progression of grow, growth, I think. As you dive into marketing, you can't avoid it. Don't avoid yeah. it. Like, go towards it. And if you haven't read, and I know you have probably, but the the war of art it's it's you know that's one about resistance and like writing that i think is really important too that's helped me yeah you know what's funny is um that book is it's actually i think it's almost like a decade old but it got really popular the last like two years for some reason like it was out for six seven eight years uh, before everyone just like it just started popping up everywhere. So. Yeah, I think probably Rogan talked about it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, so let's do this, Nick. First of all, for the for the listeners who maybe don't know you yet, um, tell us a little little bit about your business. Uh, where like where are you at? What what city or what area of Washington? Yeah, uh, I'll let you explain it because I'm sure I'll mess it up again. And then uh, tell us a little bit about your business. What's the structure look like? Maybe. Uh, type of volume you guys are doing and, and how many people are on the team, things, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in a town called Wenatchee, Washington, Washington State. It's right in the middle of, right in between Seattle and Spokane, but far enough away that you'd really need a dynamite expansion model to make that work. It's really tough because there's a mountain range, there's other challenges. 33,000 people in my marketplace. We were roughly maybe 14, 15% of the entire market. I run it. I'm an independent broker, brokerage. I own it, owner operator, and I run the team model. So everyone, everyone in my organization is part of the team. And right now we have 31 agents, a combination of listing partners and buyer specialists because we separate the duties. Okay. And then an operational staff of listing coordinators, transaction coordinators, um, a director of growth, which is a recruiter. Right. It's a recruiter relationship builder. And I only have 350 brokers in my entire marketplace. So to have a full-time recruiter with only 350, you go through the list pretty quick. Um, uh, We have, we have a property management company. We launched that a year and a half ago. That's doing great. It's a great insulator for any downturn. It's good residual Uh, ISA department. We run uh, two ISAs right now. Um, We do about a little over 400 units a year, 125 million. 
And that was with 15 agents. We've doubled our agent count. So we're looking to do 600 is kind of where we're at this year. That's fantastic, man. And how long have you been in the business? So I got in 2008 uh, when the market crashed. I lost my airline job in March of 2008, started my real estate career the same month. And That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then I opened, I started my team in 2012. Okay. And is that when you opened the, your brokerage? 2012. Awesome. So you got an 08. I got an 07. Market crash too. Um, wow. Lots of commonalities here. So, uh, you, so you mentioned you lost your job from the airline. What'd you, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. The airline, it was a great education in a startup business. So I was on a 747 at the age of 25. I was trained. I think I, yeah. And this is not to brag. It was mostly not to brag, but I think I was the youngest 747 flight crew member in North America. And it was really just dumb luck in, in some instances. I got, I started, I got my foot in the door as a startup. It was a startup airline. So I actually helped them write their manuals Whoa. before they even had an aircraft. And then I, I trained and I flew international freight and they were just really mismanaged. You know, they just didn't, understand expenses they didn't look it over we had some corruption going on um yeah really bad so the investors when they found out what was going on the hemorrhaging of money they pulled their money and then i lost my job so in, instead of getting another airline job i got into real estate which is a smart decision yeah I get a <laughs> so how long did you fly actually fly airplanes like how long did you have your license and you were flying as a still so actually flew I, I flew for about three years cool yeah do you still yeah. like, do you keep up your license? Do you still fly today? You never lose your license. You just lose currency. Yeah. Uh, recency. Recency. Oh, okay. So if I just go get my medical and do three takeoffs and landings, I'm good. But I, I haven't flown for 10 years. Oh, you haven't. Okay. No, gotcha. no, no. It's a good lesson. in you know, I want adventure. I love adventure. I, I work for Carlisle transportation, the ice road truckers in Alaska during college, I fought fire for the Forest Service wildland firefighter. And then I was like, what's next in the adventure resume, right? And almost like right. Jesse Insler at 21 years old. I was like, what's the next adventure? And it was, you know, airline pilot. Come to find out, it's boring. Training's incredible. Training's unbelievable. You're doing spins, you're doing dives, you're stalling, you're learning, you're growing, you're doing checklists, you're uh, sharpening, you're getting really, really good at discipline. And then you get an airline job, and it's boring. 747, 12-hour flight, autopilot, straight line. Because the, the shortest distance is a straight line, right? But that's boring flight. Yeah, it's it Super boring. So, <laughs> so I, I've always been into adventure and uh, exploration. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm kind of known for being disciplined and procedures. But within that, there's the, the dichotomy is I'm really – out there in the outside of the box. Like I race mountain bikes. I'm a cross country uh, mountain bike racer. So the, I'm going to nationals in July. So I'm training every day. So it's just, there's a lot to it. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So, well, what, one of the things that stuck out to me when you gave that talk uh, last January um, is you talked about the impact of checklists and you know obviously when you're a pilot you have there's there's checklists you have to live with that unfortunately because you can live or die by the checklist like lives are truly on the line um and so but you brought that into your to your business and that was something that stuck out to me did you realize that right away like when you hit real estate in 2008 did you realize like hey i i, I gotta have some checklists here or was that something that developed as your business started to grow 
It, it, I, I had the vision to start a real estate team based on the cons, the philosophies and the concepts of aviation. So I'll give you an example. CRM in AV, in real estate is client resource management, right? CRM in aviation is crew resource management. And so I think that concept to me is, is trans, watch how it transitions. Crew resource management is the awareness to know all of your available resources. So as a real estate agent, so I would train a real estate agent to the level of proficiency. And this is back to my kind of my presentation. If you can get someone to the level of proficiency. So when you first start flying, you're, you're asses and elbows. You don't know what the hell's going on. You're literally behind the aircraft. You're behind the aircraft. And as you get proficient, your skill levels increase, your motor skills, your cognitive skills, your scanning skills, your procedure skills, your checklist skills, right? You can then expand your awareness beyond the aircraft, in front of the aircraft, right? To air traffic control, to your co-pilot, to your flight attendant, to the weather, right? To the other aircraft in the area, right? Because of your skill level, your foundational skills. And so I do the same thing with real estate is you can get a foundation of skills. You can then expand your awareness and see more resources. The more resources you can see and be aware of, the better you can problem solve, which is probably a corollary for success in real estate. Wouldn't you say someone that some agent A is good at problem solving. Agent B is excellent at problem solving. Who's going to make more money? Yeah. Agent B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. problem solving is a big ass deal in real estate. Problem solving, you know, human emotions. Problem solving the transaction. Problem solving how to get a FISBO to work with you versus doing it on their own, right? It's all there, right? And so, yeah, absolutely. Like that just one little concept, resource management, which I think we have all wrong. We think it's a, a client resource manager. We need it. You type in data points into a computer. Like that's not you of using your resources that's not managing resources very well. Right. So yeah, I wanted to run it like an airline and an airline trains, but not trains. Like, uh, it's funny. It's like, it's like, um, chat homes, right? The ultimate sales machine. It's like, you know, it's like 10, you know, you don't want to learn 10,000 things and try it seven times. You want to do seven things and try it 10,000 times. Yeah. Same thing with aviation, man. It's not like, it's not about having a thousand checklists, a checklist for everything. It's about having like seven and they're freaking unbelievable and you don't mess up because the profit, and I have a profitable business, the profit is in your errors, right? Yeah. Now you can expand, 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 expand. And I do too, right? Growth, growth, growth. But at the same time, if you look back, you can find a lot of profit in your holes, in your errors, right? No doubt about it. Like, yes. You know, I had a mentor tell me one time, he always said the, the, um, and it was Gary Keller. He said, we were on a call and he said, profit is made in expense management. Oh, you know? And I was like, that, that hit me. That call was in 2012. And to this day, I quoted it yesterday when I was teaching, uh, you know, like literally, and we, we go back to that often because it's so true. It's it, in its expense management, decision management, right? Looking at the holes that you just mentioned. Yeah. And, and so that's where he came up with the red light, green light, right? And yeah. expense creep. And, but you're not, you're never going to increase your profit by cutting expenses, right? That's not the, an effective strategy. So you just don't cut them. Right. right? right. 
but you find the errors in your expenses, where are you spending money where you shouldn't be spending? That's critical, right? Um, of all the buyer, you have buyer, tons of buyer's agents, right? Like the profit isn't in what we said, it's what we, in what we didn't say, error, right? That, that's kind of an error, like it's an omission. Yeah. Errors and omissions. You have errors and omissions insurance. Why don't you do your own insurance check on, on your own business? So, you know, that's where we go with that. And, and so when I think critically like that, that's when I'm, where I go, go into my business. And so it's just about the, it's not all about the procedure, but it's about the procedure minimizing errors. And then making it as simple as possible. As simple as possible. Like I did that onboarding checklist for everybody, the knowledge onboarding checklist. It's such, I almost felt bad giving it to people because it was so long. And that's against everything about a checklist. A checklist shouldn't be a to-do list. A checklist is not a to-do list. A checklist is something that, you know, can be repeated and get the same result, right? Yeah, like okay. if you went to the grocery store, that's a to-do list. You would, it would be crazy to have a checklist for a grocery list because you want different food sometimes. Right. Now, what you would have a checklist for like the staples that you must have in your pantry, that makes sense. So you just got to think that way. And the thing about checklists, if I want to dive into this a little bit, I don't know if we do, but a checklist shouldn't be by yourself. You know, it's a red flag for a pilot to fly by themselves. A solo pilot has the highest likelihood of an accident. So why do we let agents, even on our team, fly solo? If they did, they need to have the awareness that they're solo. A checklist should make cross they should be a checklist should a procedure should make them cross different people in your organization transaction coordinators uh, ask a question to another buyer's agent ask a question to your team leader right does that make sense yeah that makes total at first i didn't know but when you said that like hey i think about our team like agent transaction coordinator th those are going to cross like for sure that yeah. has to cross because we need that set of critical eyes on the i'll call it the transaction checklist versus the sales checklist and the, the majority of checklists, get check, check, check this out, are two people or three people. The checklist isn't made, the best checklist isn't made for the person that did the work. The checklist is made for somebody else to check someone else's work. Ooh, I like right? that. Say that one more time. The best checklists. The best checklists aren't made for you to check your own work. The best checklists are made for someone else to check your work. So it's called read, it's called do then read, not read then do. See, a read and do is a to-do list. I need lettuce, find the lettuce. I need cheese, find the cheese. I need milk, find the milk. A real checklist is one that you, you know how it works, you know the flow, you know the procedure because you've been trained on the procedure. So it's like, I know when I walk into the store, it's produce. So the flow is lettuce. And then it goes to dairy. I know the next one's dairy. And then I write cheese. And then I know after cheese is the milk and the half and half, so I'll get the milk. Okay, I reached the end of the, the store. Let me break out my grocery checklist. Even better, Kevin, you read the checklist and make sure I got the items correctly. And so you would say, all right, Nick, you ready for the grocery checklist? I said, yes, read me the grocery checklist. You'd say produce. I'd say lettuce, check. You'd say fromage i'd say monterey check it would say dairy i'd say gallon of milk check right and right. you'd say perfect you got 100 percent. and maybe i missed it right maybe i got you know i got instead of cheese i got uh cottage cheese you'd be like no that's wrong man you need to get monterey jack so 
in real estate, it's the same thing. If you, when you get to a level, you, you have more than one agent, have them check each other's work with the checklist. That's brilliant, right? It's, it's incredible, right? That's where you're going to find holes in your business. That's where you're going to find errors. They're going to pop up and they're going to be fixed like that. And it's, and it's a win-win. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. So like, uh, we're currently in, uh, and I don't know if you've run these or, or not, but, um, John, you know, he's, he talks about the, the self, uh, policed accountability groups, right? So we're yes. running, we're now running our, um, gosh, look, my checklist is right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got it. Dude, I got it. So like, I'm, we're literally, we had our, we had our, our weekly meeting today and it's so cool for the agents in our organization to check each other. Uh, and it's not like, Hey, Kevin's in there checking you as the boss or Fred's in there checking you as the boss, but like our agents, all, everyone has a buddy, everybody has a buddy for the week. And it's so powerful. Even when you're just, the checklist is your own damn checklist about what you said you were going to do, or you said you're committed to for the week. It's so powerful to have that third party person there to check in on you. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is you're, you're asking to be held accountable with the checklist. So, so it's the same thing with this. So it's like, I would do my flow. I do my procedure. And then I, then I call for it. I'm calling out to be held accountable because I want no errors. Yeah. And, and, and the level of hierarchy and standard in your organization should be who can, who can, who can be the most disciplined, who can be minimize the error to the highest level. So it, pilots were weird, man. Pilots were all about, if you want a status, you were methodical, you were controlled, you were disciplined, right? That's how you got respect. Like when was the last time you respected someone that just wings it all the time? Like, <laughs> like, like imp, even improv, the best people in improv have some structure, yeah. right? There's structure to it. You don't think there is, but there is. Like I saw Conan O'Brien on, um, who's the guy with the beard that interviews people? You know what I'm talking about? The uh, screen actor type of thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I can't think of his name, but I know who you're talking about. So Conan O'Brien's hilarious, right? And you may not agree with me. So other people might not like his humor. And he was asked a question. He's, and he's like, basically, do you watch comedies? And he goes, he goes, there's only seven ways to end a joke. I was like, what? There's got to be a million ways to end a joke. But he's at this mastery level, only seven ways. And he's like, well, then do you stop watching comedy? He goes, no, because I'm still, I'm trying to figure out how they get there. And, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up except for there's like, um, there's the mastery level in that. And there's also like, what was it? What were we talking about, Kevin? <laughs> you know what? I've complete, we were talking about checklist and accountability from a partner, but I'm not even real sure. <laughs> that's where my, that's how my brain goes. Uh, the thing, but here's what I'm getting those from this part of the conversation is um, you're talking about Conan O'Brien. It, it'd be easy because he is such a master at what he does. Right. Um, and it's easy to look at him or listen to him and go, God, that guy's so funny. And he, it seems so loose. Uh, but like you mentioned, like, no, there's structure. He's, there's only seven ways to end the joke. As an example, like the best oh, there you go. working that way, right? They actually work from that place of mastery. Yeah, that's exactly right. They have constraints. They have boundaries, right? They, and they have a framework. They do. They all do. And the best look like they don't. Yes. Right? It's like that transitional period, right? And so, you know, you teach agents scripts and dialogues and they, they break down. They're like, this is too con it's controlling me too much. It's confining me too much. It's, it's not me. And it's like, it is you beyond it. Once you become it, it you, it, it doesn't make sense. You have to master it. And then you, you become it and it's, be, and it's you. It's like, 
it's a screen it's a it's a it's a written word right we're back to written word but it's it's every if you hire daniel day lewis to play batman or christian bale it's going to be a completely different same words right yeah. and so you know there is creativity there there is uniqueness there and we you know when we hire a new agent we're hiring an american most often and we were told that we're individuals right we're unique right you're one of a kind you're, you're great just the way you are right so we have all these limiting beliefs when we're training agents and i've trained a lot of agents i know you have too right and so it's understanding these things that are going through their head and, and kind of nurturing them. Like, like, no, 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 you can still be an individual. You can still be unique. You are special, right? But just go with me here. And it's the same, same thing with pilots. You know, it's like they got a lot of respect for being the most disciplined, the, the, following the procedures to the T. And that's where you gain respect. But through that, they got to find their own voice um, and awareness. And one thing I want to say about, about pilots, you know, are the best captains I ever had, they, they asked to be held accountable. The best captains. The, like, when you push back an aircraft, they are the CEO of the entire organization. I mean, talk about God complex, not quite to a surgeon level, but it's there, right? 800,000-pound aircraft flying through the air at 5,000 miles an hour with, like, 5,000 souls on board. They got an ego. The best captains I ever had before a flight, they'd, be, they'd raise their hand and say, I am not perfect. I make mistakes, and I need each and every one of you to look after me. Because a captain with 30,000 hours is a red flag. The more experience you have, the more you're a risk and a liability. Yeah. And, and for some reason, real estate people don't understand this. And it's a beginner's mind thing. It's like, the more experience you have, the more you need someone to look after you. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. going to skip steps. You're going to get complacent. New agents and old agents make the same amount of mistakes for different reasons. That's yeah. all. There's no different. They still make mistakes for different reasons. So, man, that, I mean, that, that's so true. I, always, I would always joke, like, if someone just got out of their contract writing class uh, and they're arguing with you over language in the contract, they're probably right. Um, <laughs> if, like, when a teenager just gets their, gets their driver's license, right? Same thing, like, dude, no, they just studied to pass their test. There's a good chance they got it right. Um, yeah, yeah. The longer you're removed from that, you're further you're removed from that, it's so easy to go, well, I just have all this experience. But what's interesting, though, like, think about the conversation we were having, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes ago about um, problem solving is the way you become a problem solver a little bit easier is with the uh, experience of transactions, right? You just, you just kind of need some transactional experience. But if you're not careful and you don't approach it with, you use the word beginner's mind, um, you can get to the point where it's almost like you're comfortable in what you think that you know. And unfortunately, stuff changes, shit changes, and the industry changes, and, and you can be left in the dust. Uh, you know, on, when you're talking about a pilot, like you, there's no room for that. There's no margin for error. In our business, luckily, that's not life and death on the line when we're selling houses, but your future could be and your family's income and the ability to provide could be. So to me, it's, you know, we got to take it every bit as uh, treat it the same is what I'm saying. They do. And I think for, for everyone that watches, if you can take it to that level, that extreme, right. And, and it might feel like you're going to have a lot of pressure on yourself to, to take it life or death. Right. Coming, I actually came from an industry where it was right. The, the rules were written in blood. They, they taught us. Right. These are, you know, you were taught every single rule, every single procedure was written in blood. Now in real estate, they weren't. And they may have been written because there was a lawsuit 
or someone got hurt. And you know what? It's almost just as painful to a certain extent to lose your house. I mean, you did art. Did you do REOs or short sales? Yeah, I built my business on short sales. That's all yeah. I did the first couple of years. And so, yeah, for sure. And I did REOs. And when you got to knock on someone's door that's lost their house, right? It's serious business. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay. It. And I think people need to take this seriously. Not, they think about themselves. Like it's serious. Oh, is this, I, is this serious, right? But, you know, I got to make money for my family. It's true. But if you can take ownership in the responsibility of others, you will make more money. Because when you start be holding yourself responsible for others, you'll do more for someone else than you will for yourself. I know this for a fact, right? Yep. Right? People will. That, why, why would people you know, get out of shape or treat themselves poorly? I mean, there was times in my life I treated myself really poorly. So I know you don't. But I, I wouldn't do that to my mom or dad. Yeah, as I say, you'd knock some, or, you know, another uh, way of saying that is a buddy, a good buddy of mine uh, it works like he's constantly studying psychology and, and, and the way people do things. And he said to me one time, he's like, dude, would you be friends with you? If you like, if I talk to you the way you talk to yourself, would, <laughs> you know, it's like, we do that as, as humans. Like you're right, dude, we will go out of our way uh, to help someone to do something better. And I think if we can focus that, like, I think if we can just focus our professional life that way too, like really consumer first, consumer centric, man, like you're going to be good. You're going to make the money that you need to make and you're going to help the people that really need your help. Like it, this is definitely not a life or death situation. I always say there's no emergencies in real estate. And yet at the same time, I do believe like the consumer is currently and will continue to demand more from us. We got to be able to provide that. We really do. Yeah. And, and the consumer loss is loss, right? Loss is pain. So when they lose, right? You ever, you ever have a client that really goes not at the deep end, but you can't understand why they're acting the way they are acting because oh, yeah. they're, they're in pain. They're oh, loss. Yeah. And so it is, it's not an emergency in terms of life or death, but I, I want you guys to take ownership in the responsibility here. You're with, you, it will force you to raise your standards. It will right? It will force you to reach out and ask for help. And that's another thing. See people, that's the cool thing about having a team organization like we do, right? It's like you owe it to the team members to ask for help. I had a, I had a, one of my top producers. I just had this conversation with her. You know, she doesn't want to ask for help, right? She doesn't think anyone's going to help her because they think she thinks they're jealous of her. She's making too much money and all this stuff. It's like, no, they want to be part of your success. Yeah. By not asking for help, you're depriving them of that opportunity to help you, the top agent. Yeah. Because you create a bigger wedge. Well, by not helping, yeah. by not asking. You actually do, right? You think you're saving them time. You're not. Yeah. They want to be part of it and they're going to learn. I learned this with my transaction coordinators, you know. It's like one of my agents were they were doing the work. So my agents would do the transactional duties work, transaction coordinator work. And I was like, no, no, you can't do that. How are you making them feel if you're doing the work? What are you saying to the transaction coordinator if you're doing the work? You're saying you're not needed. I can do it better than you, right? And if, and if you're a transaction coordinator and you get paid per hour or you're on salary, what's running through your subconscious? Well, if everyone did this, what, where, where, where do I stand? <laughs> yeah. You're out of a job. Yeah. So you wonder why... That's not a good idea, right? You owe it to her to give it to her or to him, right? You have a responsibility to delegate it.
And that, that's a hard thing for agents and team members, right? To delegate, hard thing for some people. Some people are too good at it and they don't know how to delegate. And so I have to teach them how to delegate and we can go over that too. I have a procedure for delegating that works really well. But you know, that, does that make sense? It's like, she's sitting there going, well, if everyone does this, I'm out of a job and people want higher, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy. She's thinking she's going to lose her job over you not giving her one task. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Which could be your need to control things or <laughs> your need to just want to try to help because you don't want to make it harder on someone else. Like, you never know. Like, yeah, that's to me, that's the power of teamwork. It's just, that's a great way of illustrating that. Uh, I'm glad you shared that example. Um, so, okay, so let, let me do this. Talk to me quick. Let's do quickly the thing on delegating that you just mentioned. I wasn't expecting to go there, but <laughs> we are. Uh, and then I want to talk about, because uh, you've started branching out and have uh, have started coaching and offering up your time to, to some of us in the industry. So I want to make sure we talk about that too, but absolutely, let's go back to the delegation piece. Tell me more. So delegation is important because it's not, it's not passing the buck, right. not passing the buck. This is really important. And then a lot of people don't want to pass the buck. Therefore they don't delegate. They think it's a cop out. Yep. Right. And you're not passing the buck because passing the buck would be a burden you're not, that would be burdening someone. Right? It's not elevating anyone. There's no growth in that. So delegation would be, Kevin, if I'm delegating you a task, I would give you the task. Here's, here's the task I'm looking to do. I have to take the time to brief you. So step one, assign it. Step two, brief you on it. And that might include instructions, right? And then I need to give you a deadline, right? Right. And then I need to report back to that deadline because I opened the loop. I got to close the loop. This is where delegation really falls off. You never check in. You never check back. Yeah. Another reason people don't want to delegate is because they don't know when to check back and they feel like they're micromanaging or whatever. So you check back in. And the last part is you give feedback because you cannot delegate and expect it to go well the first time. You have to expect there needs to be some feedback. Some, yep. some improvement on the process. And if you do this with an assistant over and over and over again, you will have the bad, the best assistant on the planet. You will wonder why you ever, you, you ever did business without an assistant, but it's going to take the full delegation process, the full open loop and closed loop. So that's five. You just gave five steps to how to delegate and like, yeah, to like, to go, to take you all the way through that delegation process. That was yep. huge. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope if you're listening to this, go back and, and rewind that part. Let's write that down. Uh, we'll pro I'll probably drop it in the notes because that like that was solid. That right there was a was a masterclass <laughs> just to in in how to take your real estate sales job to first seven and turn it into a business. So that was yeah. really good, uh, Nick. Thanks for sharing that. Tell with me pleasure. tell me a little bit about the coaching company, kind of where you're going with that because um, I I definitely dig what you guys are up to. So tell us a little bit about what you got going on there. Yeah, so all, all of my foundation, my philosophies and my procedures and checklists, you know, I have this, I've been building them out for eight years. And we run a, we run a net profit million dollar business in a small marketplace. And it's, I just coach a select number of people one on one. Currently, that's all we're, that's all I'm doing. I want to give back. Yep. Yep. All one on one right now. And so that, that's what it, well, that's where it's at. So if anyone wants to do this discovery call, we'll do that. And it's about installing these procedures. And the thing about checklists is I just can't give you mine. <laughs> yeah, I can't. That would be, a, that would, well, I can. Boeing gives us manuals. So Boeing gave us all the checklists, right? And then the airlines forced to change the checklist 
and get those approved. So I'll give you checklists and then you, you will need to read them and learn them and I'll help you implement them and we'll change them to your organization. Because I have buyer specialists and listing partners. You might have, you might want agents that do buyers and sellers, right? And there's all these different things. But the core philosophies on getting um, multiple people involved, getting um, cross checks involved, standard language involved. But it's, it sounds boring, but it's where you're going to make a lot of money and, yeah. and, and not lose sleep and have a life, man. You know, I don't, if you want to walk away in May, it, I will be gone in May. The whole month of May, I'm living in Bend, Oregon. I'm training for, for nationals, mountain biking, right? I couldn't do that without systems and checklists yeah. and training. Yeah. Yeah. I took, man, I totally agree. And like, that's, I think that's one of the things that scares people, uh, you know, and I'm one of those, like, definitely I've got ADD, like I see something shiny. I'm going to go look over there. But the reality is, is if we're going to be massively successful on any level or not even massively, we're just going to have a lot of success. Like it's going to get boring. There's some real boring shit we got to do. And we've got to connect that excitement to the results, to being able to take May off to go train for this thing you're passionate about, or take your family on the vacation you want to take them on, whatever that looks like. You've got to, con we've got to connect that excitement there because truthfully, the kind of the day in day out, like you said, being a pilot, super boring. It's also really fucking important to follow that checklist and make sure you do things the same way every single time. So you get at your destination safely. I mean, would you, would you, I disagree with that on any level. No, no, I agree with that. And it's in all areas of business from lead generation is to marketing is to transactions is to listing agents, buyers agents is to your sales meetings. You know, it's, it's everything, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to be coached by some of the same coaches that you've coached with. And so it, it, it's just a library of knowledge plus a body of work. Yeah. You know, and that's what's special about real estate. You get, you get people with a body of work outside of the industry, right? Jay Abraham, you want funnel vision, not tunnel vision, right? So there's, there's all these different angles to look at it. And that's what's great about your podcast and what you do with your group is you were saying it off, off before we started. It's like everyone's going to do it differently, right? Yeah. But there's, there's clues in all those areas. And there's foundational or principles that can be found and used. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what keeps coming back to. Uh, there's these, there's, foundations and principles that if you just learn them like they're timeless it doesn't matter things are going to change they're going to evolve but there's these principles don't like those don't change um it's just the way they get delivered the way they get issued those are the things that change so uh very cool so where can tell me is there a website that we should go to for someone that wants to take a take a look at maybe getting uh, an exploratory call with you yeah if you go to mcleancoaching.com and it's mc lean that's my like dj name mc lean mclean yeah mclean mc lean and my dj and coaching.com or you know you can find me on facebook nick mclean or you know direct message me whatever i mean i'm i'm available Cool. Um, we'll, we'll drop all the links in the show notes too. Oh, so cool. Appreciate it. Uh, everybody will have those. And well, cool. Let me ask you this. We got to wrap up here. Uh, anything else that we should have covered? Maybe I should have asked you that I didn't uh, or any last things that you want to share with, uh, with the audience today? No, you know, it's, it's, just, it's about growth and learning and it's about getting better every single day and, and celebrate getting a win. You know, we were talking about this with my team recently. It's, it, it's just about you know, not being so hard on yourself. It's about the body of work. You're in this for the long haul, right? No matter where you go, you're going to be there. 
right? No matter where you go, you're going to be there. You know, I got up, at, I'll give you a quick story. I got up at, uh, I was in the East Coast and I'm a West Coast guy. So I got up at 4.30 to go work out. I showed up at the gym. I had everything planned out perfect. Shoes, shoes by the door, workout, workout equipment, my heart rate monitor. I snuck out so my two-year-old couldn't wake up on vacation. I tiptoed out of my, my you know, one of my good friend's house and I locked my, I locked the door behind me with my shoes in the house. Okay, so step error number one. I went to the gym at 5 a.m. They don't open till 8 on Sunday in Atlanta. What do you know? So I'm sitting there. I got three hours locked out of the house. Everyone's sleeping. Okay. And then I realized, listen, I'm still with me. Like, I'm still here. So that means I can do what I'm here to do, and that's to grow and learn. So I started reading a book, went to Starbucks. I learned. I got a lot in. Does that make sense? It's like, love you. This is weird, but it's like, love yourself. Know that you're going to be with yourself the whole time. It's about the body of work, right? Yeah. So, so continue to work on yourself. And when you start doing that, people will want to be around you, right? Kevin, the more you learn and grow, the more people want to be around you, right? And that's why you have that quite a, quite a great following, a huge following, right? So just remember that, guys. And gals. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a, that's a solid lesson guys. So guys reach out to Nick, uh, Nick McLean or Nick MC lean, if you will, <laughs> uh, coaching.com. Uh, if you're interested in getting an exploratory call with him, if not, just connect with him on Facebook, like your guy offers Instagram. Yep. so much, um, so much content and so much value for, for those of us who are connected with him. So I would highly recommend you do that. And Nick, I just want to say thanks a ton for uh, doing this today. I'm glad we could line up our schedules and knock this out, man. I appreciate it. Well, cool. All right, guys, we will talk to you soon. Have a great week. And uh, Nick, I'll talk to you another time, buddy. All right. All right. Cheers, man. Hey, it's Kevin and Fred. Do you have a referral for us here in Phoenix? There are 30,000 agents here that you could send them to. Why us? Well, for one thing, we'll keep you updated and you'll never have to track down your commission. We'll also make you look really good to your client. And best of all, it helps us keep all this content free. So go to kevinandfred.com slash referral to make the introduction. We'll take great care of them.